0: of our pastor. He and his family have been away this week, and we're grateful for the opportunity for them to be together as family. And uh, many of our folks, because it's spring break week, are away this week as well. And uh, But we're glad that you're here and believe that this is a divine appointment. Well, we received good news last week, right? Right. Yes, so we can't say that we've not heard the gospel because our pastor presented it so clearly to us last week. So either we've heard the gospel or we've already received the gospel, right? So we really have no excuse for not knowing that we have the good news of Jesus Christ, the risen Savior, right? Amen? So now what? Well, um, Jonathan, we're going to, can we try this? We're going to try to show you a little clip of someone who proclaimed the gospel, and this might seem a little unusual for you, and it was unusual for me to see this, and I actually got to see this clip while I was in South Korea. It was during the time that Reverend Dr. Billy Graham went home to be with the Lord, and this was Megyn Kelly's show, and I want you to listen to a portion of this. Watch this.
1: Kathy the Giver joins me now. She was a close friend of Billy Graham, Kathy Grace. Still am. <laughs> what, what's your reaction? What are you thinking about? Oh, my, today? they came in to tell me I was in makeup over across the street, and I just immediately just put up my hands and said, Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Because he has been uh, l- lingering and languishing. Uh, I, last time I saw him was four years ago at his 95th birthday party. And uh, Frank was alive then, too, and we went down there. And, and I was sitting with his granddaughter at a. At a um, at a table, and hadn't seen him, and he was quite frail. But I, I knew it, in my heart it would be the last time I'd see him. So I said to her, I said, can I go over and just, just tell your, fa- your grandfather thank you? Because my whole family came to faith in Jesus through the Billy Graham organization. Is that right? Yes, and I personally did, going to the first movie that the Billy Graham organization ever put out. It was called The Restless Ones. And it's like God met me, and in my heart, right where I lived, I wanted to be an actress. So where does God meet me? In a movie theater. And at that time he took a lot of flack for even making a movie. See, I, but, thought, but I just, find it's just so interesting because you you have the same philosophy as he did, which he used to say, he used to preach about the joy, the joy absolutely. of belief. That's, that sounds like it. And you. what just happened for Billy happened for my husband, happened for my mother, for my father. Everybody that dies in Christ goes immediately into the arms of Christ for eternity. That is the hope of the Christian faith. Yes, it gives us the tools we need to live in the world today while we're alive. But that's why I could hold my dead husband in my arms and rejoice because I knew where he was and it gives you the peace that passes all understanding and if we don't have if we've ever needed peace in this world we need it now right and somebody says to me why are you so bold about your faith and I just looking at everybody's beautiful face right now you too (laughs) I said why are you so bold about your faith and I said you know what if you had the cure for cancer would you keep it quiet or would you hold it and keep it a secret and I always say, I have the cure for the malignancy of the soul. And he has a name, and it's Jesus. And if you just receive, I talked somebody off a cliff this morning on Twitter at 4.30 this morning, because he says, how do I know you're Jesus? How can I get to know you Jesus? And it just, it, I feel so privileged to be able to share just the good news. Gospel means good news. It's good news. And I'm not talking about a religion. I'm talking about a relationship with the living God. They're so different. They're so different. We don't need more religion. We need more Jesus.
0: Did anybody see that? And I think Kathy Lee was right on, don't you? The gospel is good news. We don't need more religion. We need more Jesus. We have the cure for a sin sick, broken heart, so how can we keep it to ourselves? We wouldn't if we had the cure for cancer. So we can't and we must not. As believers and followers of Jesus, we have to start having gospel conversations with people. And that means our family and our neighbors and our coworkers and our classmates, everyday life people that we come in contact with. Are we having gospel conversations? Well, we have the good news of the resurrection. Now what? Well, the now what is to tell someone about it. And so the Lord brought to mind Acts chapter 8, particularly the story of Philip and his encounter with the Ethiopian. But before we look at that in detail, I want to give you some of the background here in this passage. The events of Acts chapter 8 actually centers around four men. Saul, who was the zealous uh, persecutor. Then there's Philip, who was a faithful preacher. Then there's Simon, who is the sorcerer, the clever deceiver. And then the Ethiopian, who was a concerned seeker. Now, if you would look at Acts chapter 8, verses 4 through 8, we won't do that this morning for the sake of time, we would learn a great deal about Philip. So, what are some of the characteristics of Philip? Uh, For example, he was a chosen deacon, which means that he was a servant. He grew in his ministry, which means that he gained the respect of the people because they listened and they heeded what he spoke. He was chosen by God to be a disciple in Samaria, which had been prohibited in the past. As a matter of fact, only John the Baptist and Jesus had ministered there previously. He was a preacher. He was a messenger. Obviously, he was a good communicator. The word for preacher in verse 4 means to preach the gospel, to evangelize. But the word preacher in verse 5, however, means to announce as a herald. And so Philip was God's commissioned herald. He was the deliverer of the message of the gospel, So, to reject the messenger, I want you to hear this, to reject the messenger would be to reject the message and reject the authority of the one who sent him, and that was God himself. So, I want you to hear that this morning, because it doesn't matter who is proclaiming the gospel To reject the messenger, the one who is presenting the gospel, whether or not it's Pastor James or whether or not it's me or whether or not you're watching an evangelist on TV, to reject the messenger would be to reject the message and reject the authority of the one who sent him, who is God himself. Philip was also a miracle worker. The word says that he demonstrated God's power as people were delivered from demon possession Those who were paralyzed and sick were healed by his ministry. But the focus here was not so much on the miracles as it was on the Word of God. The people heard and they heeded the Word of God because they saw the miracles. And by believing the Word, they were saved. Miracles don't save people. The gospel does. Philip was also an effective evangelist. People responded to the gospel when he shared the good news. He was also a bridge builder. The gospel had now moved from the Jewish territory into the city of Samaria where the people were part Jew and part of them were Gentile. So God used Philip to build a bridge between two estranged people groups and they were united as believers in Jesus. God used Philip to move into a pioneer territory, an unreached people group, to share the gospel and to unite believers together. So here's another example that the gospel is for all people. It doesn't matter what country you're from. It doesn't matter what race you are. It doesn't matter about your background or the language you speak. The gospel is for you. So now look to your neighbor and say, the gospel is for you. Philip was this bridge builder. We need more Philips today, don't we? So the, for the remainder of our time today, we want to look at this encounter between Philip and the Ethiopian. So we're going to be reading Acts chapter 8, verses 26 through 40. This is a great story, you guys. So let's, let's read this together. You have it on your screen or you have it in your Bibles. This morning, I'm reading from the New King James translation. Now an angel of the Lord spoke to Philip, saying, "'Arise and go toward the south along the road, which goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is desert.' So he arose and went, and behold, a man of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority under Candace, the queen of the Ethiopians, who had charge of all her treasury and had come to Jerusalem to worship, was returning. And sitting in the chariot, he was reading Isaiah the prophet, Then the Spirit said to Philip, "'Go near and overtake this chariot.' So Philip ran to him and heard him reading the prophet Isaiah and said, "'Do you understand what you're reading?' And he said, "'How can I understand unless someone guides me?' And he asked Philip to come up and sit with him. The place in the Scripture which he read was this, "'He was led as a sheep to the slaughter, "'and as a lamb before its shearer is silent, "'so he opened not his mouth.' In his humiliation, his justice was taken away, and who will declare his generation? For his life is taken from the earth. So the eunuch answered Philip and said, I ask of you, whom does the prophet say this, of whom himself or of some other man? And then Philip opened his mouth, and beginning at this scripture, he preached Jesus to him. Now as they went down the road, they came to some water. And the eunuch said, See, here is water. What hinders me from being baptized? And then Philip said, If you believe with all of your heart, you may. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. So he commanded the chariot to stand still, and both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water, and he baptized him. Now when they had came out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord caught Philip away, so that the eunuch saw him no more, and he went on his way rejoicing. But Philip was found at Azotus, and passing through, he preached in all the cities till he came to Caesarea. So what can we learn from this encounter with Philip and the Ethiopian? Actually, I think from this story, we find the key components of evangelism, which is the sharing of the good news. It's the sharing of the gospel. And so in your bulletin, there's an outline, don't be scared by how many blanks there are to fill out, because we're going to go through this pretty quickly. You with me? Bill, you with me? Okay. All right. Here we go. Notice, first of all, that there is a prompting in verses 26 and 29. So the P is prompting. If you look at verse 26, the angel prompted Philip to get up and go south on the desert road from Jerusalem to Gaza. So what did he do? What did he do? He got up and went, didn't he? What would you do if an angel gave you some instruction? I would hope you'd get up and go, right? And then when we get to verse 29, the Holy Spirit tells Philip to go and join the Ethiopian in the chariot. And what did he do? He obeyed the Holy Spirit. You see, when the Holy Spirit prompts you to go to someone, you better go. Why? Because that same Holy Spirit that prompted you is the same Holy Spirit that has been drawing that person to Jesus. And he's waiting for you to join him in sharing the gospel message. When the Holy Spirit prompts you, you're to go. You're to move, right? But then there's the observation, The O is observation, found in verse 28. So when Philip was obedient to the angel and he got up and went down the desert road, he saw and observed the Ethiopian man, a eunuch, which was a high official of the queen who was in charge of all of her money. So what did he observe? He observed the Ethiopian sitting in the chariot, reading aloud the prophet Isaiah. I mean, would you find it strange today sitting in a restaurant in the break room at work or maybe on a park bench or a bus and you see someone reading Scripture? I, I would hope it not be strange, but sometimes I think we, we have a tendency to see if we saw somebody doing that, we would say, well, hey, that's kind of neat this day and time, right? You know, it might be strange today, but to me it would be an indication that the person who is reading the Bible is interested in spiritual things, He wants to know more about God. He wants to know more about God's Word. As a matter of fact, the Scripture says that the Ethiopian had come to Jerusalem to worship. And at that particular time, he was going through the motions of worship, but he was not actually saved. He was seeking, he was searching, but he was not saved. So let me tell you something that you already know. There are many people who go through the motions of worship and they're not saved. And there could be some here today. Nick was praying today that there are some here that maybe are not saved. They're seeking, they're searching, or the Holy Spirit would not have prompted you to be here today, and you observing this divine appointment that God has placed before you today. So there's the prompting, there's the observation, and then thirdly, there's the obedience found in verse 30. So in obedience to the Holy Spirit, Philip runs up to the chariot, and he hears him reading from the prophet Isaiah. You see, there's some of us who are willing to observe folks from a distance, but when the Holy Spirit tells us to get closer, what do we do? We do the opposite, and we back away. Philip was obedient, and he got close enough to not only see He got close enough to be in the presence of the Ethiopian and hear what he was actually saying and reading. You see, we're so concerned that we're going to invade someone's personal space, that we would risk being disobedient to the Holy Spirit than to intentionally draw closer to that person. We don't want to interrupt them, right? It's none of my business what they're doing or what they're reading. Am I right? Is that what we think? Yeah. Let me tell you, if the Holy Spirit tells you to get closer to a person, it is your business. And then comes the engagement in verses 30 through 34. So Philip begins to engage the conversation, and he asks a question, Do you understand what you're reading? I mean, if you want to start a conversation with someone, it might be wise to observe them and then ask them about something that's pretty obvious that they would be interested in. So Philip knew that the Ethiopian was interested in the prophet Isaiah. I mean, after all he's been observing, he's hearing him read it. But I'm not sure that even Philip was ready for the answer that he was going to get. As a matter of fact, the Ethiopian answers the question with a question of his own. How Can I understand what I'm reading unless someone helps me? As if to say, Philip, will you help me? So he invites Philip to join him in the chariot. Now here's the sign that someone is willing to be engaged in conversation with you is when they invite you to join them in the restaurant, when they invite you to join them in the break room at work or on a park bench or on a bus or at Starbucks, and they invite you to join them. And so the Ethiopian is reading, and this is what he's reading. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb is silent before its shearer, so he does not open his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied. Who will describe his generation, for his life is taken from the earth? And then the Ethiopian asks another question. He says, who is the prophet Isaiah talking about here? Is he talking about himself, or is he talking about someone else? Folks, when people ask you questions about spiritual things, they are engaging you and they're wanting your assistance to get the answers. And guess what? This is the time that we move in. This is the time that we move closer in relationship and we get them the answers. We have the answer, don't we? His name is Jesus. And so Philip makes the move. And then he begins, 5th, the gospel conversation, verse 35. So he moves from general conversation to now gospel conversation because Philip tells him the prophet Isaiah, he's not talking about himself. He's talking about Jesus. And he proceeds to tell the Ethiopian the good news of Jesus. And he starts right there in that particular passage of Scripture from Isaiah. You see, Isaiah 53 was the passage that he's reading. It's the prophecy of the suffering servant. So Isaiah describes our Lord Jesus Christ in his birth, his life, his ministry, his substitutionary death, and his victorious resurrection. And Philip is able to make this connection between the Old Testament and the New Testament. So essentially, Philip is sharing the gospel with this Ethiopian. You know, for many years in Southern Baptist life, I think we've been measuring the wrong thing, to be honest with you. Because we celebrate churches who baptize lots of people each year, and yet we're quick to pass judgment on churches that baptize no one or very few. As a matter of fact, it is the measurement that we use to determine if a church is healthy or whether or not it's growing. But the North American Mission Board has recently wised up and said, Baptism is very important, it is, but what we need to be measuring in our churches is not so much the baptisms as it is the number of gospel conversations that we're having with people. And we need to be more sensitive to the Holy Spirit's prompting and then intentionally engage people in conversations that lead us to tell the good news of Jesus. And thus they have created, and I think we have a slide that shows this, which is called the the Gospel Conversation Challenge. And so they're challenging us as a congregation and as believers to share the gospel conversations, to begin to have these gospel conversations. Now, I know I'm going to date myself, and Ted, you can help me here. Um, but I remember singing a song. It was an old gospel song that was called Let's Talk About Jesus. Anybody remember that? okay. Wait a minute, how do you know? Anyway, you, you sing, let's talk about Jesus, the King of kings is he, the Lord of lords, uh, you know, uh, supreme. And then it gets down to the end and it says, let's talk about Jesus more and more. That's what gospel conversation is about, isn't it? To talk about Jesus and to talk about it more and more. Philip, Philip accepted the gospel conversation challenge which led to, now we'll move to number six, which is the decision found in verse 27. So after the gospel conversation comes the decision. As Philip explains the verses to him, the Ethiopian begins to understand the gospel because now the Spirit of God is opening his mind to the truths of God. You see, it's not enough for a lost sinner to desire salvation, he must also understand God's plan of salvation. And so Philip shares that Jesus is the spotless lamb that was slain for the world. He is the fulfillment of the law and the prophets. He is the way, the truth, and the life. Philip knew that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. And the Ethiopian decides to believe on the Lord Jesus. I wonder how many people are waiting for us to tell them the good news so that they can decide for themselves to follow Jesus. Now, how do we know that the Ethiopian believed on the Lord Jesus? The evidence. E is evidence. We see this in verses 36 through 39. So as Philip and the Ethiopian are traveling down the road, they come up on some water. And so the Ethiopian says, look, there's water what would keep me from being baptized? And so Philip's answer must have been, well, nothing can keep you from being baptized as long as you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. And what did he say? I do believe. They stopped the chariot and both went down into the water, and Philip baptized him. You see, there are some people who have trusted on the Lord Jesus Christ. But it's not been evidenced by the command to be baptized as a symbol of washing away of the old self, washing away of sin, and rising up a new creature in Christ Jesus. So I ask you, is that you today? Have you believed but never followed in the waters of baptism? Well, I I want you to know we happen to have a baptismal pool And so I ask you this morning, if you've never been baptized, would you be obedient? I mean, that's the very first thing this Ethiopian wanted to be baptized as evidence of his salvation. Then we get to the departure in verse 39. You you guys still with me? Are we moving fast enough? All right. Not too fast. I'm talking fast. Are you listening fast? 39. 39. So, verse 39 says that when they came up out of the water, the Holy Spirit carries Philip away. So, what do you think that means here? What do you think is happening? Well, the Holy Spirit is moving Philip on to the next assignment, to the next divine appointment, because we read that he appears in Azotus, and then he's preaching the gospel in all of the towns until he comes to Caesarea. So, let me ask you, fishermen… I saw John's Bailey somewhere, didn't I? Fisherman? let me ask you, fishermen: If you've anchored the boat in the water and suddenly the fish stop biting, what do you do? Move on, right? So you take up the anchor and you go where the fish are. And so you see, once you have shared the gospel with someone and they've decided to follow Jesus, don't stop fishing. Don't stop sharing. Fish for more fish. Fish for more souls. Move on to the next person that the Holy Spirit is leading you to. So maybe the Lord is leading you to another pond, <laughs> uh, another neighbor, another coworker, or another friend whom the Holy Spirit is preparing to receive the word of God from you. The departure. Then I love this in verse 39. It's the rejoicing. It's the rejoicing. The Ethiopian did not see Philip any longer because the Holy Spirit took him away, right? But it says that the Ethiopian went away rejoicing, which, by the way, is another evidence of his salvation. Because when you have experienced your sins forgiven, your darkness turned to light, your night turned to day, your ashes to beauty, your sorrow to joy, because of what Jesus has done for you, you will rejoice like the Ethiopian. Amen? Okay, well, tell your face, because some of you look like you've swallowed a sour pickle or something, okay? All right. Because if you've experienced this, you will rejoice like the Ethiopian. Amen? Amen. But notice, the Ethiopian was no longer dependent on the one who led him to the Lord. He wasn't relying on Philip any longer for his joy because his joy is now in the Lord Jesus. And now he has the presence of the Holy Spirit to help him understand the Scriptures. He's not relying on Philip for discipleship. So, you see, there's no excuse for believers not growing in our faith. We have God's Word, and we have the presence of the Holy Spirit to help us comprehend it, to understand it, and to apply it to our lives. And then we must do the Word, not just hear it, but be doers of the Word. And then what happens when we are obedient to where and to whom God is sending us? Finally, the gospel is spread. Look at verse 40. So Philip moves on to preach the gospel in other towns, but it's not just Philip. What do you think is happening with the Ethiopian as he's traveling? He's sharing the good news as well. So you just think about it. You do the math. This is pretty simple, I think, because if you're the only person that's sharing the gospel, but you share it with another person and that person starts sharing the gospel, you have immediately doubled the gospel conversations and the opportunity for people to be saved immediately. Folks, we want to be found faithful in sharing Jesus right here in Powhatan. We can move over into Midlothian if we need to, wherever He's leading us, maybe it's Goochland or over in Amelia. But the Holy Spirit leads us to places to herald this good news. Maybe it's somewhere in Virginia. Maybe it's in the Appalachia region. Maybe it's in Washington, D.C. Maybe it's Nicaragua, Haiti, or Puerto Rico. Some of our folks have been to Puerto Rico. Uh, Barcelona. For me, it's been South Korea recently. But God is on the move, and He invites us to join Him. We have the good news. Now what? You see, this passage became so real and evident to me. As I served in South Korea for two weeks during the Olympics. And I, I really haven't shared with you, but our, our task was to distribute 160,000 scriptures in 24 different languages. And so I've got a couple of pictures I, I want to show you here because I think it's applicable to this, this passage. And You can see a picture. There's a picture of our team member, Ken, who's sharing God's word with people as they're coming out of the Olympics you know, as we're passing out the Scripture, it's very fast, and you're just, you know, you're standing in front of them, and you're saying, which means hello. That's a lot for hello, but that's what you're saying. And if you will actually bow before them in honor of them and respect of them, they will likely take the Scriptures. And so, we were able to distribute 155,000 out of the 160,000 that we carried, but not a lot of gospel conversation, And so I said, Lord, help me have an opportunity to share the gospel. So the next slide. So here is my modern day. Philip, an Ethiopian experience. Because the Holy Spirit was prompting me to go to this young woman who's sitting on a bench that surrounds a tree in a park and there's not a lot of downtime in South Korea. As a matter of fact, it's pretty fast-paced. And we were fortunate that we were uh, able to, to share the, the Scriptures and, and to be received. But the Holy Spirit was prompting me to go to this particular young woman who's sitting here. And I observed her from a distance, recognizing that either she was on a break from lunch or she's just taking a rest from shopping or, or just maybe trying to, to catch the live show that's on a stage nearby. So in obedience to the Holy Spirit, I, I run up to her chariot, not really, I just run up to her, and I, I meet her at the park bench. And then comes the engagement, and I offer her an Olympic pin, I think I've got one in my pocket, I do. It was, it was this. It was a, a gospel pin, it was an Olympic pin, and so, so instead of the five uh, rings of the Olympics, it was five fish And so the gold representing heaven and the black representing our sin and the red representing the blood of Jesus and the white representing our our purity and and, uh, sanctification through Jesus. And green is about our discipleship. So I shared that with her. And you're thinking, okay, how did you share that with her? Because she doesn't speak English and I don't speak Korean. But on this little card that we gave, on one side was Korean and on one side was English. And so she was following right along with me. And then something happened. She said, sit down. Sit down. Just like the Ethiopian who said, I want to know more. And so then I began to open the, the scripture. It's a, it's a paperback. It's Romans and John. And so I began to open up the scripture and the, the Roman road was being shared, and, and I got to the first verse, and then I, I kept going. And on one side, it's Korean. The other side, it's English. And I got to the next scripture in Romans and the next scripture in Romans. And I'm thinking, okay, we're getting close here to ask her, would you like to know Jesus? And she said, yes. Could I pray with you? And she said, Yes. And you can imagine, we rejoiced, right? Now, the evidence was not baptism because, uh, you know, obviously we didn't have a baptismal pool at that particular place. But the evidence of her salvation was that after I left, you can see I I gave her the Scriptures. She's sitting there and she's reading the Scripture. And then she sees some friends and she starts talking to them about the Scripture. And so then I departed for a new assignment. And she's rejoicing in her new life in Christ. And the gospel is spread twice the time that it was when I went alone. As a result of just slowing down, observing, engaging in conversation, the Lord opened the door to share the gospel conversation with quite a number of folks while we were there. I think I've got a couple more slides. Yeah. Yeah. This is one of our pastors from Alta Vista who's praying with these Canadians who said, we've never had anybody to ask us to pray for us. Look at the next slide. Same pastor is praying with a Mexican athlete, and you see how moved she is. Next slide. This is an amazing story because he's, he's there with two, two guys that are actually from America, engaged in conversation. In just a few moments, there's like three other people that joined them, and they said, if anybody needs to hear your message, it's us. We, we're so messed up, it's not even funny. I think maybe they had been drinking somewhat, but they were coherent. And they said, we don't have time. We're going to eat lunch if you want to come have lunch with us. And guess what? That pastor went and had lunch with them and shared the gospel with them. Just taking the time, observing. And the Holy Spirit says, move a little closer, right? Next slide. I want you to get the connection here. It was in God's timing that the Lord called Billy Graham home while we were in South Korea. And so we had an opportunity as people were paying tribute to him and honoring him Because he's so well known, not only in the United States, but around the world, even in South Korea. We were able to say very boldly, the Jesus that Billy Graham preached is the Jesus that we're offering you. And God used that. And so we're on a bus traveling back to Seoul when we saw the the Kathy Lee Gifford clip. And said, Lord, how did you orchestrate all of this to be happening while we're here? It's the power of the Holy Spirit. You see, we've got the good news, don't we? We've got that good news, the gospel that Kathy Lee was talking about. And now what do we do with it? You see, I believe the Holy Spirit is prompting you to someone today. I, I, I dare say that if you're here, more than likely the Holy Spirit is like pointing you or, or you're, you've got somebody in mind that he's saying, you know what, let's move a little closer. And I want to to encourage you to observe, yeah, observe from a distance and pray. But then obey the Holy Spirit and be willing to, to move closer to that person. Engage the person in conversation. You can ask some key questions. Allow them to ask some questions. And then transition into the gospel conversation. Tell others about Jesus. And then provide an opportunity for decision and lead them to be baptized as evidence of their new relationship, connect them with the local church, and then move on to the next assignment. Don't you think this story between Philip and the Ethiopian gives us the tools and the steps to share the good news with others. Do you believe that? Well, all that's left to do is do it, right? Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I know that uh, as we've considered this this story this morning between Philip and the Ethiopian, that uh, probably our mind is going to some family members or maybe friends or neighbors whom we've neglected to be obedient to the Holy Spirit when you've prompted us to go to them, to generate conversation, to build relationship earning the right to share the gospel with them. And we've not been willing to to make that first step. So today, Lord, I pray that first of all, you know, Philip is sharing with us through the Word today, if we've never trusted Jesus ourselves, that today would be the day of salvation for us. And so if you're here and you're just waiting for someone to explain to you you know, are we talking about Old Testament here? Are we talking about prophecy? Or are we talking about Jesus, the, the living Savior? And, and I want to tell you, and there's elders here and deacons here that would be willing to pray with you. We're, we're telling you about Jesus. He's the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through Him. So today would be the day of salvation for you if you would decide to follow Jesus like this Ethiopian. But I also believe, Father, that there are people that uh, in our lives that we're praying for that need Jesus. And so maybe this altar would be filled today with people that are coming to pray for loved ones or neighbors or coworkers or maybe schoolmates. People we come in contact with at the grocery store, the bank, wherever. And we're asking you, Lord, to forgive us of the times that we were disobedient to your Holy Spirit's prompting. And we're asking you to do all over again a prompting and a moving of your Spirit in our own lives so that we will be bold enough to move from general conversation about the weather, about politics, about our community. We'll move from those things and start talking about Jesus. Help us to talk about Jesus more and more. So, Lord, today, have your will in your way in this place. Guide us and direct us. Help us to be obedient as we continue. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand with me this morning?